Hello and welcome to We Inspire, the one and only podcast where we come together with some of the most talented women in e-commerce and digital marketing. In this 13-week series, we speak with digital directors, heads of e-commerce, marketing directors and global digital leads whose stories will help to inspire those up-and-coming superstars of today becoming tomorrow's digital leaders. Hi everyone, it's uh, Terry Cannon from Wecom and host of We Inspire podcast. So welcome to episode two of this 13-week series where we are celebrating inspirational and successful women across the e-commerce space. So if you are a returning listener, welcome back and thank you for returning. If you are new to the podcast, I think it would be a really good idea to give you a bit of an overview as to why we wanted to, to launch the series. So I've been in the e-commerce and digital world for well over a decade now, and I've been incredibly privileged and super proud to work with some of the most inspirational and empowering women all the way up from assistants to coordinators, all the way up to the board level, and want to inspire the future generation of e-commerce with their stories. So that brings me on to this week's guest. So I'm super, super excited to welcome Jessica, who is an incredibly successful um, digital specialist. So Jess has over a decade of experience working in direct-to-customer retail on a global scale. So started in the US, and then brought her skill set over to the UK, working with some of the most amazing brands such as American Express, Charlotte Tilbury, and is currently the director of Omnichannel for Tomorrow London. So super, super excited for Jess to join me. So Jess, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. How are you? You well? I'm good, thanks. How have you been? Yeah, good. Crazy busy. I think e-commerce never stops, does it? Never stops. (laughs) How how are you finding everything in the moment? Crazy, busy, but you know, um, in a good way, right? Like always better to be busy than bored. Exactly. So look, let's just jump straight into it. So just the way that I like to start these is is kind of giving a bit of a an overview about yourself and your career to date to start with. So if we could start there, that'd be amazing. Yeah, of course. So yeah, like you said, I, I started my career in the States and I think my common thread has always been marketing roles particularly within the luxury retail space. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that kind of evolved into a digital focus over time. In the beginning, I was working for really big name brands with kind of a global presence and an established brand awareness, you know, places like Canon and Coach and Amex. And when I then took a break from work and went to get my MBA, which was amazing, by the way, and I would recommend to anyone. Um, I think it gave me the opportunity to kind of reassess and think about whether that's really where I wanted to be uh, or if I wanted to kind of see about smaller companies and what that would be like. And I was really hesitant because I'm very type A uh, and I like structure and I like strategy, but I found that actually it helped me to kind of thrive then in those smaller companies because you can kind of bring structure and order to the chaos. And so I was fortunate enough to have a really close friend that I met in business school who went to Charlotte Tilbury. um, And that kind of gave me that in there. And that sort of started me then on that path of really companies that are in sort of that upstart phase, um, maybe a bit past the startup, but where the focus is really about scale and hyper growth. Um, And I've just kind of stuck with that ever since. 
Amazing. And, and obviously we mentioned Charlotte Tilbury there. I think the growth of them was crazy. I bet that was insane to be a part of that. And both the UK and the US, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was amazing what they did there. I mean, truly, like you when you're on the inside of it, you appreciate why they call it, you know, a unicorn because you realize how special it is. And having left there and gone on to other places or talked to other people, mm. you get even more of an appreciation for how unique it is. Yeah, it's like the brand of now, isn't it? Every time like we're speaking to from a different perspective. So when we're talking to people, it's that one brand that constantly comes up. So I can imagine working there was absolutely crazy, but super exciting. Yeah, it's kind of the ultimate case study, I think. <laughs> yeah. So look, what we want to do is, again, I think when we start these conversations, I always want to take it back to the to the beginning. What was your first introduction into digital? So I think my first was really kind of my first real job, actually, uh, which was a coach. So I started working there an embarrassingly long time ago in 2010. <laughs> um, and they were already doing, honestly, some really amazing things that I think companies even now are struggling with. And again, like I think I look back on it now and I realize how amazing of a training ground it was and how lucky I was to have been there. Like they launched their website in 1999. They were one oh, of the wow. first to buy into e-commerce. And so by the time I was there, like they had Omnichannel, they had single view of the customer across buying channels. They were launching a loyalty program. They had things like buy online, pick up in store. You know, they had an internal digital team. In 2012? In, in Yeah. And they oh, were wow. doing, you know, testing around promotions and like customer behavior to see the best time to retarget a customer or how to bring them from, you know, first to second purchase. They were doing trigger based messages with email. They were considering SMS. I mean, these are things that are sort of table stakes now. But 12 years ago, particularly for luxury brands, when they were mm. like debating whether to go online um, was really amazing. So, yeah. yeah. And then I think that kind of just set me off on the path. Amazing. And was obviously you mentioned you was doing a lot of studying and everything like that, and you've always been in and around the marketplace. Was digital always something you wanted to do, or did you ever consider another route? Honestly, it wasn't. It was completely <laughs> something that I fell into, um, which I think if most people are honest, they'll tell you that. Um, 100%. I went to school for international business and communications. I was interested in marketing and then digital, I think I just kind of fell into. Um, mm -hmm. For me, like I was always really interested in kind of the global experience and customer behaviors and like the differences between markets and what kind of compels someone to buy. So marketing felt logical. Um, and then, you know, I got into it at the time when marketing was becoming digital marketing and there was that complete shift. So it was really just kind of happy circumstance, really. Wow. And and you mentioned there you always wanted to be global, always and one of the things that we're seeing and, and we've all seen in, in the market is that you could do this job anywhere now. And e-commerce has massively evolved um, across a number of regions and candidates are now more, more open to relocation. So how did you kind of attack that relocation? Because like you said, you mentioned it, you was in the US and in the UK. How was that for you? And, and also how, how different are the markets yeah, so it's a good question. Um, so for me, it came about through Charlotte Tilbury. So yeah. I had always kind of known that I wanted to live abroad and I kind of, you know, manifested it and put it yeah. out there. Um, so they knew I was open to that. And 
obviously their main office was in the UK. It's a British brand. And I just had a great opportunity. It was kind of fortuitous. Like my boss was moving on um, and I had always reported into the UK office and she just really backed me and put me up to backfill her, um, knowing that I really wanted the opportunity to move over. Mm. And so that was kind of just how it fell into place. Um, and I, you know, came over and they kind of prop, um, you know, proposed it and I jumped at the opportunity, honestly. Um, and then in terms of your second question, I think the markets are different in a lot of ways. I think more mm. so than people think. Um, particularly because obviously you would think, you know, both English speaking, um, you know, but actually if you think about it, you know, a simple example is like there are over 2000 words that are spelled differently between British and American English. Right. And so that alone copywriting, you know, SEO implications of that people don't realize, I think from a content perspective, you know, the demographics and the type of content that you need to be representative of the market is very different. You know, beauty being the example that I had, you know, from a product perspective, you know, anything where they're shade matching, your buying is completely different. Um, I think competition and marketing costs, you know, performance marketing is something like 30% more expensive in the US, if not more you know, TV, commercial, so prohibitive in the States. Like you have to have really deep pockets for that. Whereas in the UK, it's definitely something you could do. Um, And then even just the size, I think people don't realize what it takes to kind of conquer a US market versus the UK. Mm. You know, the population is five times bigger, but land wise, it's 40 times the size. So if you think about it in that way, what it takes to move the needle from a brand awareness perspective, it's very different. I suppose so, even from a competition perspective as well, there's probably so everyone wants to be there as well, don't they? Exactly. I think the only place that's probably worse right now is China in terms of the competition level. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then obviously living here, you see kind of the cultural differences, the differences in the sense of humor and working styles and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I would say it, it's actually more different than people would think. I'm going to have to ask the question, where, where would you say he's got the better personalities? I'm going to have to ask it. Oh, God, I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Switzerland. I can't. <laughs> so, so, look, obviously, you've been super successful in, in the relocation kind of side of things. Because it's such a big part of, of the world that we're all in now, like this relocation, what, what advice would you give to someone potentially considering it? I think if the opportunity comes to you, do it. (laughs) Um, And I think the way to go about maybe cultivating that opportunity is try and work somewhere where they have global offices or a regional office where you want to go. It's so much easier if you're already there Mm -hmm. than it is to try and recruit remotely. Um, And I think also you've kind of, you know, if you think about it from the company perspective, you've already kind of proven your worth and your value, right? So it's much easier for them to take that risk, to put the extra money into a visa, um, and to kind of make that happen. So if that's possible, I think that's that to me would be the recommended path. And then I think from like a practicality perspective, a piece of advice that I wish someone had given me was to really be involved in the visa process. If you make it that far, um, be aware of the type of visa they want to put you on, um, you know, what your limitations are, because you might go and like me fall in love with it. Um, and then, you know, find that you're not on the best visa for residency or for switching companies or whatever. So get involved in that and don't be afraid to ask for the type of visa that suits you best. That's a great piece of advice. 
Um, I'm going to go back to something you mentioned a minute ago, because um, I I know the, your previous uh, manager, the one that was moving on, that gave you the role to get to the UK. Yeah. Um, in 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 business, the way that you succeed is is around the people that you work with. Um, so for me, I, I've been so fortunate to work with some amazing people that have inspired me to get to where I am. Now, who's inspired you? Such a good question. Uh, well, I mean, my dad is an entrepreneur, so I Love think that. I've had him since day one, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is an advantage. Um, but also, honestly, my answer would have been, um, even if you hadn't, you know, teed it up that way, the managers that I've had. So I've been really fortunate, even, you know, Canon coached, particularly at Charlotte Tilbury. I've had managers that have really kind of backed me. Um, yep. and been really good advocates and who cared, you know, yeah. on a personal level and professionally. And I think that that can make all the difference. Um, and then, you know, I'd go back to my friends from business school, you know, 10 years on, they've gone on to do some really amazing things. And particularly my girlfriends, you know, so many of them have kids now, and I'm just totally in awe of how they juggle everything and, you know, still have time to give advice or contacts or connections. You know, I think if nothing else, they push me to be better just to be able to kind of earn a seat at the table with them on wine nights. You know, like I think some of the best things that or one of the best things that you can do is just surround yourself with people every day that inspire you. And I've been really lucky to be, to be able to kind of curate that in my life. Yeah, amazing. And and look, obviously, when you even put yourself into that into the mix here, all of the these inspirational leaders uh, make an impact. But what do you think are the traits that make a uh, an inspirational leader? I think you need to have a balance between the hard skills and the soft skills, and be you know so that kind of IQ and EQ. Uh, and being willing to share that and develop your team in that, you know, how to build a team, how to communicate, being transparent and honest, I think goes a really long way. Um, and then I think, you know, as you get higher and higher up, it's about setting the strategy, but also bringing people along, you know, getting their buy in yeah. um, and, and getting them to be able to deliver on that vision and removing obstacles for them. I think the higher up you are, the less you actually are kind of executing. You're just an enabler for your team to get things done. Amazing. And and obviously, again, you've worked with super, super, super brands um, that would have worked on some huge campaigns that we, some of them that, that are going to be household names. So what, what would you say, though, for you, out of all of them, projects that you've worked on within them brands, what, what have you got a career defining moment or a, a project that you worked on that, you, that really stands out to you? I think, you know, the entire ride at Charlotte Tilbury was probably lots of case studies on things that you can do really well. Um, and I think they continue to do some amazing things. Yeah. For me, the I think what I take pride in the most probably is how we navigated COVID. So, you know, despite how it kind of turned our lives upside down in every way, I think our team, particularly digital, remained really focused and we were able to be nimble and adapt to what was happening. You know, we doubled down on marketing when everyone else was pulling back on spend. Um, and there was kind of this real awareness that with all the physical retail closed globally, online was sort of the sole source of revenue. 
And if we could find a way to convert that in-store customer to online, we could sustain and protect the business and, you know, maybe even save some people's jobs. So it just became such a bigger mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that reality and kind of the strength of the team propelled us to work really hard and kind of double down on what we were doing. And the result was that we were able to make up for a lot of the loss that we would have seen Um and kind of deliver on some pretty high expectations that were set for us, which was, you know, really fulfilling. Wow. Um, obviously, we all love to talk about the wins. We all love the wins. But I think what defines success um, as I've moved in my career, I feel like the, the bits that have, have molded me to be a bit more resilient is is the, the learns that we've had to pick up along the way. Is there a kind of um, a piece of work or a moment where you've really taken a knockback and had to step back and reevaluate everything? How did you come around kind of getting over that hurdle? I don't know if I have one specific, but I think one that continues to be a challenge for me, maybe in my career, Mm. um, again, especially as you advance, is people management. Yeah, I think finding the right people, developing them, you know, figuring out how to motivate people is a constant challenge. Um, and times when I've maybe made the wrong hire or been slow to provide constructive feedback because, you know, that's not the easiest conversation to have um, or not have the time to develop someone, you know, because of bandwidth or whatever. Um, anytime where it's impacted someone else's career, I think those are the ones that kind of stick with me. And particularly when you're a first time manager or a first time leading like a really big team, Mm. you kind of learn those lessons in real time. And sometimes it's at the expense of your team. Um, So those are the things that I think I've really tried to learn the lessons the first time and not make those mistakes again. Amazing. Thank you. And as we've as we've quite quite openly spoke about, there is the evolving market that is e-commerce. What would you say the biggest challenge is that the industry is facing right now? I think there are so many. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> things to just kind of watch out for. I mean, as ever, like the landscape is changing so fast. Mm-hmm. The speed of technology, I think everyone's, you know, the buzzword right now is metaverse and everyone's talking about AR and AI and how that's going to change everything. Um, but I also think you know, we're seeing social commerce on the brink of disrupting a lot of things. And I think how we tackle sustainability and the increased demands of customers for transparency, um, you know, increased costs of performance marketing, I think that's going to force us to change the way we reach the customer. Um, Operational impact of things like, you know, Brexit and COVID and the increased cost to ship. I think, you know, companies are grappling with that. So, I think if anything, the the pace of change is only accelerating. Definitely, and I think the the final question from me is 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 around self development. Is there any books or any other podcasts except this one, of course, um, that you would recommend? Well, this this one first and foremost, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's a really good book called "The Future Is Faster Than You Think," and if you want an education kind of on tech and how this period of constant development at this really accelerated pace is leading us to make some, to see some really significant changes that are going to disrupt a lot of sectors, Mm. Um, not just in business, but like in our lives. I think that's a really interesting read on a like personal development perspective. If you're 
looking to work on kind of your softer skills or your management style, build awareness of how you are as a leader. I think Brene Brown is amazing and she has a podcast. Um, her book, Dare to Lead, is really great. Um, and then I think going back to anyone that either works in a global company or, you know, has uh, people from different cultures that they work with or even just that wants to travel, um, the book, The Culture Map, is a really great read um, and can really help you kind of navigate that successfully. Jess, um, massive thank you for joining us in this episode. It really has been such an amazing insight to your journey and an inspiration to the future generation of this amazing, ever-growing industry. So the final thing before we go, which is the purpose of this whole series around the We Inspire, if you, obviously you've had an amazing career so far. If you could go back to that first role that you had, 17, 18 years old, what advice would you give yourself? Well, I think on a personal level, I would say just <laughs> relax. <laughs> Don't panic so much. Don't always try and overthink everything. Um, but I think for anyone that wants to get into digital specifically, stay curious. You know, um, it's changing so rapidly. You have to mm. be willing to continue to learn and improve if you're going to succeed in digital. Amazing. Jess, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, please, guys, join us next week as we will be joined with the online and digital director from Jo Malone. So Steph will be sharing with us her career highlights where she's been working with brands such as Crabtree and Evelyn, Kurt Geiger, ASOS and so many, many more. Jess, thank you so much again. Thanks for your time. <laughs>